0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. Those of you here, those of you watching at home online, we're thrilled that you chose to spend a few minutes on this Sunday morning with us, or maybe you're watching after the fact and you're watching this during the week. Welcome wherever you are. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I have not been up here in a while, um, and this is my first time actually being able to bring a message on this stage in the IMAX theater. And I got to tell you, they've given me a couple of heads up up here. Number one, they said that you can't see anything on the stage, and I must completely 1 million percent attest that that is true. The lights are so bright that I can't see anything, and that's exciting for me because nobody smiles anyway when we're looking out there, so that all you know because that's a um, you know self worth thing that we all work through when we're up here and then second of all, uh, they just said that because the room's so big you won't hear any laughter, and I said, well, that's pretty normal for John because nobody laughs anyway, but I usually get a laugh or two, so they you know I've, I just felt like that was something I needed to hear before we started, but I'm thrilled. To will be up here today presenting a message as we kick off this new three-week talk conversation series, whatever you want to call it, called 2020 The Struggle Is Real. And so one of the things that our staff did was as we kind of got around the table in the last couple of weeks here is we sat around and we said, okay, you know us at Downtown Harbor Church, we don't get into political things. We don't get into cultural things. It's just not something we address. But we felt like it was important for us to take a step back and to sit back and have a dialogue about this year and the things that we've dealt with during this year. How have we navigated them? Furthermore, what does the scripture have to say about them? Additionally, how do we move into 2021 with Jesus at the core of everything that we do at the center of everything that we do being the people who have gone through this crazy year called 2020. I don't know about you but it's been a great year, right? It's been one of those things that we've just kind of sat back and we've just not known not knowing how it was going to go week after week, month after month. And so, I don't know if you remember um, uh, the year in, in full, but I'd like to take you on a little trip down memory lane, okay? Because we started 2020, and I don't know how your year started, but January 1st was an interesting day for me because my daughter was born on January 1st, so my year started off with a bang, and that just happened like, you know, right then January 1, so we were off and running. But in the month of January, I don't know if you remember this, you remember that Australia was burning and on fire? Do you remember this? And like, it was like for the first time ever, a whole continent was gonna burn, like the entire Fireplace was burning down, and so it it was kind of freaking out. We're like, is this going to come, you know, to us over here? I mean, do we have enough firefighters to fight this thing? Kind of a downer way to start the year. But things, you know, we got through that things were looking up. And then I remember February. Do you remember February when February hit? And we were going to like totally dead set, like go to war with Iran. And we was going to be World War Three. Do you remember this? And we were going to war and I don't even remember what we were doing with them, but it was all over my news newsfeed. I don't know why we were mad at them or they were mad at us, but all of a sudden, like we needed to go stock up on items because we were going to war. Okay. I don't, but then, and then all of a sudden it was great. The fear of war died down and you know, it kind of subsided and we were thinking, come March first, man, it's gonna be a great year. We're gonna be it's gonna be smooth sailing from here on out. And then we welcomed our new best friend, right? I don't know if you're familiar or not with the coronavirus, if you've heard of it, or or if you you know, if you've done any dialogue or research on it or studied the news at all, but all of a sudden, um, we uh, were kind of hit with this global pandemic, and then all of us, like we in March, right? I don't know where you were, but it was March 13th. All of a sudden, like they locked us down, and we started the 15 days to slow the spread. That went well, and so we had 15 days to th- to slow the spread, and we were all good. It's gonna be a couple weeks. We'll be fine. We'll be inside, and here we are. You know, all these months later. But I remember back in March. When this started, and I remember where I was, I was actually in Walt Disney World in Orlando, and someone looked at me and said, they just shut the park down uh, for the foreseeable future. And I was like, wow, this is going to be an interesting time. But you know, I don't know about you, but as we look back on 2020, as we were in like the depths of Hades, in the middle of you know, this pandemic and what it looked like. Like there was this, um, a silver lining that happened to us right during this time. And it was one of those moments where like almost God himself like reached down and like really pulled us out of the depths and gave us something that really inspired us along the way and what that looked like. And this thing that inspired us was actually an individual, a man, and that man's name was Joe Exotic. And I'm not sure if you remember Joe, but Joe was, if you watched the Tiger King and this mulleted Messiah, almost in a way, like saved us like in in terms of where we were and and it was only had one enemy and we know who she is. <laughs> and I think that was really cool and like that we watched that go on for a little while. And by about this time it's May, right? We missed Easter, but we you know it seemed like we wouldn't have a Memorial Day, but we were getting into like what we felt like was a new normal. We're going to get back to normal. And then they nailed us with it, right? Then it came out of the blue and 2020 almost in one fell swoop got even worse than we ever thought it could be when they introduced the murder hornets to us. Do you remember the murder hornets, right? And these were going to just take humanity off the face of the earth and you should never, you know, like you should leave the house other than a hazmat suit. And then, but then all, but I mean, we really, the cool, the interesting thing is, not even the cool thing, the interesting thing is, all this stuff is real. And we got hit with all this at once. And then almost in one fell swoop, the summer happened. And it was almost like everything went dark. Do you remember the summer? Did we have a summer? I mean, I think we had a 4th of July. It it was like everything became a blur. It was like almost like this time was missed. It was like we missed time in this time warp. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be Thanksgiving. Well, where in the world did all of the time go? And I think that the truth is, is that a lot of us have been having these conversations with our friends or our family or maybe our coworkers or people, you know, who we live in the same house with, but we haven't really had this conversation at Downtown Harbor Church because one of the things that we just really need to kind of call out and call this equal for all of us is all those things that we have mentioned, we might laugh about, we might joke about it as we look back on 2020. However, they impact us. They impact us as individuals. They impact us as couples. They impact us as families. They impact us as communities. They impact us as a nation. It has impacted our world, right? Now, according to a top psychologist, we don't know who the top psychologist is. However, we just Googled it, and this is what they said. So we're going to take it as truth, okay? According to a top psychologist, there are five events that would be considered the most stressful life events that we as human beings deal with, okay? Those events would be, let me put them on the screen. Death of a loved one. Okay. Got that. Yep. Divorce. Have not been through it. Don't want to go through it. That'd be ugly. Moving. I'd like to move moving to the top of the list. Like, if you've ever moved, you know that you hate everyone who's around, even those who are helping you move. Like, if you want to move, I would strongly recommend paying high dollar for people that you don't like to move your goods. Because if anybody you know is going to help you move and they damage something, see, the problem is they could damage something. They're mad at you. You're mad at them. It's really going to ruin friendships. Don't. Don't ask people to help you move. Major illness, job loss. And the truth is, is that many of us during this year have dealt with at least one of these. Maybe maybe the pandemic 2020 uh, hits you in more ways than one of these. And so here's what we're going to do. Over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at what we kind of think are the three areas that have been most impacted by what we've dealt with in 2020. As we get ready to gear up into the Christmas season, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus coming to earth, we're going to do that here at DHC. We're going to be together to do it. We're going to actually be excited about that, gathering together to do it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to figure out how to get healthy surrounding some of these issues as we go forward together. And so today I wanna talk about a specific group of people. But before I talk about a specific group of people, I wanna address everybody in the room because certain times when we bring up this group of people, there are some people in the room who go, that's not me. I'm checking out, right? I don't need to deal with this. Maybe I've dealt with it. Maybe I'm not going to deal with it for a long time, but I'm going to check out. And so today, what I want to do is I just want to encourage you to stay engaged and stay relevant with us during this message, because it will impact you. Because today we're going to talk about what 2020 has done to married people. Okay. So first of all, If you're not married, as I said, stay with me, because I don't care if you're single and maybe you want to be married someday. Maybe you were uh, married one time and it didn't work out. Maybe you've been married a couple of times and it didn't work out. Maybe you're like Ric Flair and you're on your fifth or sixth wife and still not working out. That's okay. This is still for you. Okay. Maybe, right? Maybe you're in a place where you're engaged or you're in a dating relationship and you're moving forward together. How does that look? What does that look like? Maybe you're married. You've been married for a number of years and, and you're starting to move into a different phase of life, whether or you're maybe relocating or having a child for the first time. I don't know where you are, but I know that this is relevant for you because the stresses of 2020 have put marriages under pressure. In fact, we like to call it around here the pressure cooker for marriage. Like things are really, we're feeling the pressure of it because of all those things I mentioned. And we've wrestled through job loss and maybe furlough, the burden of finances. Are we going to come out of this okay? How much money are we going to have? Is business going to take a hit? What does this look like? Do you have kids? Maybe you're going to have them more. Their school's shut down. They're going to be around your house. They're going to be on Zoom. Hey, I now have to work from home. My wife has to work from home. We're all on Zoom together. Now the kid has to do Zoom from home. Speaking of the Wi-Fi bandwidth, does that work in your your house or has it been stretched? This has been real fun. Okay. And the truth is, is that a lot of us, no matter where we're in, in life have been burdened or stressed by the things that have happened in 2020. The truth is this, here's just something that I believe we believe. I mean, it's not in the Bible, but if it was, nobody would be surprised, but this is just one of those things that I believe about marriages. Couples were not meant to spend this much time together. Okay, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but if you've been, you know, in quarantine with your spouse or maybe you're a fiance or maybe you're engaged or maybe you're just dating or whatever it looks like for you. Right. Maybe you've been around somebody a lot and you're like, man, these are these are close quarters. Right. This is something that I really didn't expect. And how do I navigate through this? Um, It impacts you. I don't know what you deal with in your house, but I just wanna let you know that potentially you've dealt with all those things that I mentioned and maybe you're like me and you put the cherry on top of the Sunday on top of the quarantine blender mixture and it was this and it was, so if you have a, that's my child, right? And I don't know like if your child's the same way, but my child is nuts and she's the sweetest thing in the world, but she is, she's in the screaming phase randomly and she just likes to scream and and so, put you want to put a baby on top of your quarantine journey? Let me tell you something. Like, I live on the ninth floor. I've wanted to jump off the ninth <laughs> floor. So, it's just one of the, like, we do that, and so we're just, we're navigating through all this together in 2020. This is not how I expected 2020 to go. Uh, and so, we have to work on that and figure out what that means and look at what the scripture says to it. Because so often, as we deal with this, let me tell you what we do as spouses and people who are in relationships. We lose our filter. So I'll just give you a quick example here. Let me give you an example or two because my wife said, as I told her I was getting ready to do this message, that I wasn't just allowed to use examples of her in a negative way during the message as I've done previously, which, you know, she obviously has kept in an sp- important spot in her mind. Well, oh, I lost my mic. Um, so during quarantine, let me tell you about something that I started to do. So, I, I, if you're like me in quarantine, you picked up a couple of weird habits, right? I did, and so I started playing the online slot machines on my iPad. Have you done this? Okay. So it's the app Slotomania, phenomenal app. My mother plays it as well. She's got a problem. She's been in therapy for it. However, like I started to like go and play the Slotomania just because I wanted something to do. Now I'm not betting money. It's fake money, but it's still fun. So. Anyway, one of the things that I like to do is I like to, when I play the online slot machines on the iPad, I like to turn the volume up full blast to make sure that I get the full effect of the game. And my favorite game on the iPad to play is a game called 99 Santas, okay? So imagine this during quarantine. The child has gone to bed. My wife is reading a book on the couch and I am laying on the couch, right, on the long portion of the couch with my iPad, volume full blast playing 99 Santas well every time that you spin the reel, the reels you get a sound effect and in the Santa's game the sound effect is dun 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 okay dun, 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 dun. So, so I did that and I counted 287 times. I did that in a row one time before she finally had some choice words for me, right? She lost her fill. She said, I can't do this anymore. Okay. Maybe, maybe, okay. So that's me. Maybe you have someone who is in your spouse or maybe you're, you know, in a relationship with somebody and they have an issue. Like for my, one of my wife's issues is this. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but she seems when she was born to have not been born with the ability to do something and I thought this was interesting so I wanted to bring it forward she seems to not have the ability it's some there's a block in her mind or in her DNA to fully close drawers or dresser drawers. Like, okay, so I don't mean, know if you've seen this, it's kitchen drawers as well. It's really any drawer in the house, but it's, it's she, she'll she push it, right? But it doesn't fully close. And for whatever reason, she has not noticed that it was not fully closed. So I said to her, "That's what I said to her about two weeks ago. This was great. We were sitting around the table, having k- coffee, kitchen table. And I said, Caitlin, I'd like to show you how to push in dresser drawers. Okay, I just want to give you a tutorial. You're doing it wrong, and thank God you know me because I have been given the gift of being able to um, uh, do this and I wanna teach you, okay, so how to push in the dresser drawers. So I kinda lost my filter and I said this to her. Let let me tell you, I would highly advise you not to say this. So what I've learned after this fact is I'm not gonna address the drawers anymore. Here's what I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna close them, boom, because I walk around, I'm like whack-a-mole, okay? You've seen, (laughs) boom, boom, okay, and you just close it and here's what I've learned. and one of my great buddies in life who's out in the parking lot here at downtown Harbor Church, he's told me, here's what you do. You don't say anything. And that's what I've learned. And that's what I say. But sometimes you got to do that. In quarantine, COVID brings all of that to the surface. So here's my question. Does this sound like your house? Because it probably, <laughs> it probably does. And you've probably been in your own way dealing with some of the same things we've been dealing with. And so today, what I want to do is I kind of want to sit back and I want to look. what jesus said about this and what the bible the holy scripture says about this i want to go back and i want to relearn some of the fundamentals of what jesus has called us to do in marriage because maybe you're in the place right now where you're struggling or maybe you're in the place where you need some fresh breath you know breathed into your marriage what does that look like well jesus says something that is so simple yet so profound to kick us off. It's a foundation, don't miss this, it's a foundation for enduring relationships. And maybe today you're processing how you're gonna apply this into every relationship that you have, maybe even beyond marriage, but think about this and what this looks like. The book of John chapter 13. By the way, you have a scripture or a Bible, you're welcome to open, open that up and follow along with us. Or you have an app on your phone, that's great, but as always, it will be on the screens here at DHC. Book of John, chapter 13, verse 34. He said this, Jesus is addressing his disciples. So they're in his presence, right? Okay, a new command I give you. This is exciting, right? If you're one of his people, you're one of his disciples, you're sitting around going, wow, the main man, the Messiah. We believe Jesus is who he said that he was, the ever risen son of God. He's about to give us a new command. This is exciting, okay? This is cool. What's he gonna say? Here's a new command that I give you. Love one another. So as we're sitting around and we're thinking about this and we take this, and this applies to all people, but let's apply it to our marriages, I tend to think about it like this is that I really believe that if Jesus were alive on earth today and he would be a marriage counselor, right? Let's just put this example out there. Let's think about this. If Jesus were to be a marriage counselor, I feel like Jesus would be one of the worst marriage counselors on the planet because here's the deal. He would sit back, right? And he, I can imagine him listening to everybody and he's going back and forth. He did this. She did this. She said this. He said this. She doesn't love me like I love him. He doesn't love me like I, like back. Back and forth, back and forth. And I can imagine just Jesus sitting back. I can imagine teaches like Jesus would actually like take his glasses off. So like whenever I take my glasses off, because I do it a lot, people know that I'm like stressed and I'm I'm going, Oh, I gotta make a decision and I'm I've taken my glasses off a lot during COVID, started rubbing my eyes and realized I wasn't supposed to rub my eyes and I didn't care anyway. I was rubbing my eyes. And I just said, uh, you know, uh, Jesus taking his glasses off and looking at these two, telling them that she doesn't love me, I don't love him, or vice versa, or whatever. And they don't push in the drawers. And he plays the ninety-nine Santas with the slot machine. And he's having this conversation. Jesus looks at him, takes his glasses off, and says, "This. Well, are you loving them? Didn't you hear what I just said about?" Her, she is the ultimate piece of work. I, I didn't you like, didn't you hear what I said about him? Don't you know what he did to me? Don't you know what he does on a consistent basis? Jesus sits back. well are you loving them? Well, I used to. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've almost. I've fallen out of love. I mean, do you know what COVID was like? Do you know what quarantine was like? Do you know what living with this person is like? Do you know waking up to her is like? Jesus goes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you are you loving them? because see the truth is is that love we think is this feeling, right? And all of a sudden we tend to put this feeling into our lives and we think that love is a feeling and all of a sudden we realize when things get hard or we're around a person enough or we're in quarantine or we're dealing with something we tend to understand and think that love is a feeling and then life happens and now you're not feeling it. How are we going to get it back? What does that look like? And Jesus goes, well, are you loving them? Because what we have to realize, don't miss this, this is so key. I say this at every wedding I've ever done. And so it's just really important to me. Love is not a feeling or an emotion. We get confused about that. Love is a choice. Love is an active decision that we make toward another person. and I truly believe that when Jesus said this very simple scripture, that Jesus is challenging to learn to actively love one another. We tend to think that love is a feeling or an emotion, but the truth is, is that love is a choice. You can give your love to whoever you want to. Who are you going to give it to? Sure, we fall in love, but if we want to stay in love, don't miss this, then we must choose to love. It's very easy to fall out of love. It's very easy to not stay in love. That's why the divorce rate is so high. And Jesus shows us how, Jesus shows us how he expects us to love. And I love so much what he says, because he goes on in the book of John. He says, as I have loved you, misses, as I have loved you, so you must love one another." Meaning, don't take your cue from culture, Don't take your cue from other people who claim that they've done this right. You know, I love, I love, love, love when I try to get marital advice from people who are on their fourth or fifth spouse, right? I I made a conscious decision in my life a long time ago when I was probably 10, 15 years ago. I said, I am going to stop taking financial advice from people who are broke. And that's what I put into practice in my life. The same is true about marriages. I want to take advice and glean in from and glean from and lean into people who've done this really well don't take a hue from culture, it's misleading. Life is not a Spanish soap opera. Stop thinking that it is. Stop letting them lead you astray to think that it is. Jesus says, I've loved you, so you must love one another. So what happens after this, and I want to talk about this, is that there's a guy that John talked about the last number of weeks called the Apostle Paul. Talked about what he had to say in his journeys and how that looked. And One of the things that Paul did was Paul kind of picked up where jesus left off and if paul kind of put the word spouse or married people in front of this next verse in the book of philippians i think it would apply and i think it's so relevant because while jesus and paul might have been addressing a larger crowd or a crowd at large we can apply this every single day to our marriages and our spouses right where we're at it says in the book of philippians chapter 2 verse 3 the apostle paul do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Put married people or spouses in front of that. Ooh, married people, spouses, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's one of those ideas that we tend to be fairly selfish in our lives, don't we? Because here's what I want you to know, selfish ambition, you want to know what it communicates? Communicates the idea of competitiveness. Ever feel like you're competing with your spouse? Man, I got a better job or I do more around the house or I bring more dollars in. Like, do you ever feel like you're on that competitive nature with your spouse? A lot of us do. That's selfish. That's vain conceit. So many times we have to remember that we are on the same Team sticking to the same goal, but psychologists, the same one that we found earlier on Google, because of COVID, have told us there's a dramatic uptick in what we at Downtown Harbor Church like to call <clears throat> mental accounting. It's like keeping tabs. You ever kept tabs on your wife? You ever kept tabs on your husband and said, Man, who in? Marriage has been impacted more by this. I mean, maybe they're taking care of the kids more. Maybe they're working more. Maybe they're doing uninterrupted time at work more. Maybe they're parenting better. They spend more time on the kids. Maybe he or she unloaded the laundry or the dishwasher. It goes on and on. And what we do is we unhealthily pursue one-upmanship over the other. And we keep track. I do it. You do it. By the way, guys, side note, I don't stand up here and try to tell you or put before you that my marriage is any better than any of the things I'm talking about. We deal with all this stuff too. That's why we're up here talking about it. Paul says, don't compete. Selfish ambition, vain conceit. Your spouse is a co-laborer. If you make it all about you, you're making a mistake. Co-laborer. He goes on and he says, rather, love this, rather, in humility, value others above yourself. In the most basic sense, act as if your spouse is more important than you. Make the decisions in your house like he or she is more important than you. What would that look like? If you acted as if your spouse was more important than you laying down your life for someone else. What would it look like if you acted like the decisions that you were making? You were making them from your spouse more important than you. Always putting your spouse first versus yourself first. In other words, make your spouse your priority. Through what you do, through what you decide, through how you live every single moment of every single day, put them first. This might be the most difficult thing that I've ever heard. This is brutal. Jesus never called us to things that were easy. Jesus called us to a different and better way of life so that we could fully live. This doesn't come naturally. We are selfish by human nature. We want what we want. We want our things. We want our stuff. I worked hard. I deserve this. I'm not giving it to her. I've worked my whole life. I'm not giving it to him. This is mine. We know that this doesn't come naturally. That's why Paul doubles down and he goes on and he says, don't look. Out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What he's saying, don't look out only for your own interests, right? Basically, he's saying don't operate in a vacuum. This relationship is two people. Work together on this. Don't just worry about this if that's what you want. Okay, your decision will impact another. Remember, consider what someone else is thinking about too. And then he goes, don't just think about you and your own interest, but take an interest in others too. What do you mean take an interest in others too? What what are you talking about? So think about it. What is your spouse into that, oh boy, they would like it if you might be into? This is where it gets a little gray, right? This is where it gets a little tricky. Because when Caitlin and I were dating, boy, the old girl, she really took she really uh took it serious. She really under she must have been reading Philippians one day. Because uh, she accompanied me to WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, Michigan, which was a really exciting time because there were a couple of main events. The Undertaker, who's about to celebrate 30 years, uh, a week from Sunday. I'll be watching it with some buddies. Like he fought Batista for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, beat him at Ford Field in Detroit. John Cena, Shawn Michaels, the main event. And Caitlyn was right there by my side the whole time, took an interest in what others were, uh, what I was interested in. What, What a gal, Okay. The truth is, she thought it was probably the most white trash thing she could ever experience in her entire life, but she went, okay? So here's the question. What we do is we take an interest in our spouse. You need to take an interest in what interests them. So maybe it's a show that they watch. Maybe it's an activity that they like. We got to engage with each other. We got to be interested in what each other likes, so one of the things that I'm going to do after we kind of go from here today is I told my wife, I'm going to try to take an interest in some of the things you like. Let's just start with a couple of shows. So I want to just show you a show that I she watches and I leave the room when she watches, but I'm going to make a commitment to really help watching, you know, to stand by her and watch it. Have you ever seen this, right? You know, these? this is potentially in the running for the boringest show on television of all time. This is the Great British Baking Show. And if there were a contest for like the most boring people in the history of humanity, like they'd be in the race number one, two, three, four, okay? But th- but she loves this. And I I mean, boy, is it brutal. Man, it's just brutal. And so, but I've, I've said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a commitment to watch this with my wife, at least one episode a week to sit down through the baking show. And then I'll say, Boy, wasn't that a fine quiche they made, dear? How, you know? Uh, but, you know, I'm going to do it. And then I can't even believe this show is still on the air, but she watches this smut, The Bachelor. And so, anyway, it's not really, but, you know, it's interesting because I do find myself a little bit interested in this because she might have it on and I'm over at the table, you know, having a snack and I'm like, well, tell me about her. And she goes, I'm not going to tell you about her until you come and sit and watch with me, but I'm going to try to do it. I, I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know what it's like in your house, but I think that when we learn to take an interest with each other and what each other's talking about, I think that we understand what Paul's saying, that we have to be engaged with each other. We're having this whole discussion so that we can get better at what we do. He goes on and he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What does that mean? As you approach the relationship with your spouse, you want to approach that person the same way that Christ approached you. How did he do that? What did he do? How should we lean into others just like Jesus leaned into humanity? Paul goes on, he says, Who, in be, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own Advantage, meaning this guy was God and he laid down his life for you when he could have easily have said, hey, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? He could been on a crowded subway or at a restaurant trying to get in first and he said, you know who I am? Put me on there first. Pardon me. Messiah is here. Don't you know who I am? But he never once Leveraged that for his own advantage. And yet, based on his example that we see, we're tempted to do the exact opposite in our own relationships. Where sometimes when anger boils over and we get in that pressure cooker like we were in COVID and in quarantine, maybe even now still, we tend to look at our spouse and we need, we tend to say some things as anger kind of overwhelms us, right? Hey, I make more money than you. I have a better job than you. I have more experience than you. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I can do? You're nothing. That's basically what we're saying. You don't matter. I'm using who I have built myself to be, and what I've done to push and bring you down. And the truth is, even though some of those things that we might say might be true, they do absolutely nothing to help our marriages or our relationships. In fact, they just push someone down and belittle them. And it is the exact opposite of the way Jesus should And did behave. He never leveraged who he was for his advantage. And neither should you. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He emptied himself out so that human beings could live. That's the example that we are given in how we should treat our spouse. And being found, it goes on. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, humbled himself. This is a verb. He had a choice. It was an action. He humbled himself. It goes on by, he humbled himself by, it goes on, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's what he did. He said, I I, I could do anything I want. He could have retained his rights as the Messiah and had no relationship with mankind, but he gave it all up so that he could have a relationship with us because Jesus made that sacrifice, because he did that even when he didn't have to, to if we should believe, make humanity right with God, the creator of the universe. I believe that that did something. I believe that Jesus' death on the cross gave you the power to say no to yourself. I believe that Jesus' death on the cross gave you the power to sit back and go, I understand this now. Life is all about me. It's all about laying down my life for someone else. It's all about me sacrificing who I am and what I want for someone else. Jesus' death on the cross gave you the power to say no to yourself and to say yes to others. And we should be doing that in our marriage. See, if we want our relationships to survive, we want our relationships to get better, man, we gotta surrender. We gotta put the other person's needs above ourselves. And I have to tell you, this is the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. When people tell me that their marriage is failing or people tell me that they've given up, when people tell me the stats about divorce in our country and in our world, you wanna know what I say? I get it. I totally get it. Marriage is hard. This is not easy. Try laying down your life for someone else. Why do you think it took the Messiah, the risen son of God to be able to do it versus just a normal human being? This is not easy stuff. Try making plans for dinner and putting the other person first, right? Excuse me, dear. We're going to go out tonight. Where would you like to go? I don't know. Where would you like to go? Oh no, by all means, you pick tonight. No, by all means, honey, you pick where we're going to go out to dinner tonight. No, dear, it's not about me. You pick, drive you nuts, okay? And I think we've got under, like, this is what it's, but, but at the end of the day, it always gets better and it's the best way to live when we sacrifice ourselves for someone else. Ephesians chapter five, verse 21 said this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you want your relationship to be characterized by love, then you need to spend the rest of your life figuring out how to live for the other person because Christ died for you to show you the example of how to do it. Might sound daunting. Might be intimidating. It's intimidating to me and I'm the one saying it. But it works. I've seen it work. I've seen what happens in my life when I'm selfish or I'm into myself versus giving of myself for others. Jesus taught us how to live. Oh boy, if we lived that way, everything that we did related to our marriages and our families would be different. So what's the practical? You know, every week here at Downtown Harbor Church, we put a word or a phrase or a thought on the screen. And we just kind of say this, based on what we've heard, what could we do this week to put into practice what we've heard on Sunday, on Monday. And I just believe that 2020 is not over. I don't know if you knew that, but we still got about, I don't know, six weeks to go. Anything could happen. (laughs) But here's what I do know. I believe that 2020 has probably been and probably will be for many of us the most unnerving and stressful year of our life that we'll ever experience. And so as we look at our marriages, we look at our spouses, we have to ask ourselves one practical question. And here's the question that we wanna walk from here this week with, here it is. What would it look like this week to take yourself out of the equation? What would it look like for you to lay down your life this week for your spouse? By the way, Maybe today this didn't hit you in terms of a spouse. Maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not in that frame of mind and you can file it away for the future if you're ever in a relationship again. Maybe this applies to your kids. Maybe this applies to your workspace. Maybe this applies to your community. Maybe you volunteer somewhere. I don't know what this looks like for you. But what would it look like this week to take yourself out of the equation? Sacrifice, giving of ourselves, putting the other person first putting their wants, their desires, their needs, their hopes and dreams above ours. It's something that can change your, your life and your marriage. And in 2020, those marriages that have been put in that pressure cooker could probably use this more than ever. Let's lead the charge in our city, and our community, and our church for having healthy, healthy, healthy relationships. With people who put each other first. Because that's what Jesus did to show every single one of us how to live. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace, your truth, your love. Thank you for guiding us through this, talking about love and marriages and hope and restoration. God, may we put you first. And then may that translate into our lives so that those of us who are in marriages can put this into practice and those of us who want to be or maybe we've failed before can do it in the future so that we can be so quick to put others' needs above our own and to give you all the glory. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask that anybody who's wrestling through this, whether they're listening online or here this week, that they would you would go before us and help us to do this and help us to engage with each other as we uh, learn through this and, and put you just at the center of our lives, God. We love you. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.